Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to get creator's perspective on law and order. This is a topic that's kind of near and dear to me. I'm actually a trained lawyer, a member of the Michigan Bar Association, uh, graduated law school in 1992. So I have a deep abiding interest in the law. I don't practice. I practiced very, you know, for a year and a half when I first got out and realized that the practice of law was not my calling. But in many ways, I feel getting that degree was a divine calling, Carl. Well, it, it's a very interesting undertaking because it's a it's a juxtaposition between the emotional corrupt side of things and virtue and divine truth, and it's the best we can do often as mere human beings in our dilemma of being disconnected from the divine realm in a in a direct fashion. So we have to have the law to save us from ourselves, I guess. (laughs) But it's an interesting look at things to go back and look at how we got where we are today, what it's based on. And also the hidden influences people don't realize have been really essential in shaping the body of law that we have. This was eye-opening for me as well. I think of it as a human institution, and it's going to be flawed like all human institutions and so on. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a divine hand involved in how it comes about. Yeah, I think we're going to find that out right away. (laughs) U.S. creator, the Magna Carta is now over 800 years old. It arose as a negotiated deal between the King of England and barons he was in conflict with. The barons were interested only in their own rights, not the rights of common people. Nevertheless, the foundational principle that no one is above the law, even the king, was established. From the civil beginning, English common law arose that is foundational to the rule of law and not rule by decree. What is the divine perspective on this event? Was it divinely inspired and why is it the outcome of violent conflict rather than simple insight and reflection? All right, we're complex question, but an important founding principle of the law, and we hear it echoed all the time. A lot of political wrangling ends with this as an argument. No one's above the law. This is what Creator tells us. This was entirely inspired by the divine realm. The King of England and the barons who represented an elite class of wealthy individuals were playing out a time-honored kind of warfare that would shift between economic pressures to take advantage of the opposition or outright wars of attrition carried out violently with soldiers and organized armies, at times fighting over land and territorial jurisdiction to extend the power base and so on. This was done throughout many centuries. At times when the opposition was well-matched in feeling some fatigue, particularly from constant conflict, draining coffers as well as resolve of the combatants, 
This presented opportunities for the divine realm to seek a way to satisfy the need for power and control to be abated, somewhat as a kind of respite with an opportunity to introduce a new way of thinking that could diffuse some of the buildup of tensions leading to future conflict and gain ground for humanity in unexpected ways the interlopers controlling the world might not notice and allow to unfold much as you envision in your question. Simply out of curiosity, seeing what these silly humans would conjure up, knowing they could often pull the rug out from under such enterprises anyway. So even if they were helpful for a time, the extraterrestrial alliance could undo things and even cause a devastating setback, resulting in much hindsight and finger pointing and blame all to their great amusement and seeing humans ramp up conflict even further. In this instance, the imposition of a kind of organized structure for conduct in the form of law was seen by the human parties involved as having lasting value, and because the culture of the day was ruled quite closely by divine decree and anything sanctioned by the ruling kingdom, once laws were constructed, that stability served the system by perpetuating a good thing in this case. So this was a win-win for humanity and the divine realm, and also a win for the interlopers without their realizing it, because anything that reduces their savage influence will aid their own salvation and be less of an obstacle for human rescuing to get them back on track from their road to oblivion. That is the human charter in reason for the creation of humanity to begin with, to overcome the problem of evil in your midst. So this is a fascinating answer for, for all kinds of reasons. And one of them that, one of the reasons is fascinating is because I've noticed, you know, in our radio show, if we've done this over many, many episodes, that sometimes creator will jump ahead and start answering another question that's coming up. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. But, but somehow, you know, that probably creates more space for further elaboration on other points down the road. So Creator takes the, all the questions put together as like a complete body and then tries to answer them all in a way that maximizes and, and conserves, you know, uh, space, I guess. But it's also fascinating because, you know, the divine realm seems to find these cracks in events, you know, where neither side is acting in a saintly fashion, but yet can somehow offset the two to create an opportunity for something really amazing to happen. You know, um, I don't think there was any real saints in this, in this, uh, in the creation of the Magna Carta, you know, both had their own selfish desires. They were in conflict with each other and yet something really quite divine erupted out of it. And this is a this is a, a hallmark of the divine. We see this time and time again throughout history. Well, the law has become, in many ways, a moral compass. And in a setting now of increasing secularization, where morality isn't really much discussed in and of itself, it falls back on the prosaic institutional rules of governance and legality. And that is what is viewed as ultimate, the ultimate authority, the ultimate arbiter of uh, human conduct and, and uh, uh, 
the, the interactions that we have day to day, we know there's a higher authority in the divine, but not everyone believes that. So this is the next best thing. Something that's a divine installation into our culture that gives us a least a semblance of a divine organization of things, an embodiment of principles that will serve us to yes. walk a straight and narrow path, ideally, and maybe we'll waver at times, but we have that to return to as a, as a touchstone. So it's serving us. Absolutely. U.S. creator, following the Magna Carta, the king countered against the loss of power to the barons by removing the ability to trespass against the peasantry or the common person. This seeming act of tit-for-tat retribution essentially ended the slavery of the peasant and the practice of serfdom in England. It appears this was an unintended consequence of an impasse and conflict between two orbits of political power, the monarchy and the aristocracy. To what extent did divine intervention make this dramatic turn of events for the common person possible? Well, Creator tells us, here again, in a seeming political maneuver, to reduce tensions and allow a respite during these times of great conflict and depletion of resources and even human capital, the divine realm was able to build on a good idea by impulsing this notion to the warring parties and arrange an accommodation through the creation of an extension of law that allowed a way to reduce the conflict between the royal kingdom and the aristocracy. And again, humanity was a beneficiary and all parties ended up as winners, as happens when things return to divine alignment instead of conflict and war. You know, this is a revealing answer too because what I'm seeing here is both sides, the aristocracy and the king, had kind of hit rock bottom. And we had discussed in previous shows the importance of sometimes hitting rock bottom to create a openness to divine impulse. And apparently that's exactly what happened here. You know, both sides were exhausted from the fighting and that enabled a, a receptivity on the part of both sides to listen to their intuition and embrace something that's much bigger and nobler. Well, and that can be an, an, an opportunity, a window of time in which the divine can step in with an answer that seems to satisfy the selfish need. In this case, more for relief and yeah. a kind of time out, you know, let's, Let's relax a little. Let me recoup my losses. Let me rebuild a little. Let me recover and build up some more support for my uh, my side. And and in the bargain, they're broadening the freedom for the common person, the average individual who has no power politically, no power financially, but yet are given some rights. Yes. And are no longer servants of the wealthy, but have more freedom and mobility. This is this is a movement away from enslavement that is part of human history and an important part. And we've come quite a long ways. We're not quite where we need to be. But it's interesting to see this is the workings of a divine hand yes. bringing it about. Absolutely. U.S. creator, since the pivotal events of the Magna Carta and the resulting protection of the peasantry, 
the concept of natural law arose. The whole notion of natural law and inalienable rights recognizes the sovereign and, in fact, divine status of the individual person. At this time in the Middle Ages, the law was little more than custom and mostly unwritten. In most locales, only the Catholic clergy was literate and educated. As a result, judges taking up positions after the Magna Carta were mostly religious men. How much was the concept of inalienable rights becoming the foundation of our modern legal system in Western-style democracies circumstantial, and how much was the result of divine intervention in response to human prayer? All right, and this is what Creator answers. Here again, you are tracing the divine footprints of our influence on human culture. Always invited to take part in some way or another through human yearnings indirectly, but in a lofty way in alignment with the love vibration of the divine, or more directly through a conscious prayer and seeking divine assistance. The growing power of the individual in legal standing is a testament to the influence of the divine on the one hand and the inner stirrings of divinity within the human culture at that time. After all, each human being has a very short lifespan compared to the vast reaches of history and each incarnated human is coming down fresh from a sojourn with creator in the light. So even though cut off from direct memory of this, there is an inner intuitive awareness of divine principles and a kind of feel for what is in a divine alignment and what may not be. That has guided humans all along to find a better path. And when assisted to adopt a spiritual perspective of partnership with the divine that resulted in human formation of religion, its adherents were more likely than not in a good position to bring divine assistance for the betterment of humanity. And these changes to the strengthening of law for individual sovereignty are a direct result of divine human partnership for the betterment of all. So this is an extremely revealing answer because I think the thrust of, of even the questions that we ask Creator on this for this particular show is demonstrating that our modern legal system has foundations in divine inspiration and not secularization. And yet today, the, the vast outlook is that somehow our legal system is, is secular, you know, that it's, that it's scrubbed religion out of it. But we're seeing that the whole, the whole notion of inalienable rights is not a secular notion at all. Yes, and that should be eye-opening for folks. And it's very telling in terms of the trajectory underway right now to move away from God and religion and those ideas. This is a dangerous notion because it is the wellspring that has kept humanity going and our salvation all along the way through things like the legal system that wouldn't exist but for the divine and not in its current form. Not in its current form. You ask Creator, assuming the divine realm was significantly behind the advent and spread of our modern legal system, how was it that the interlopers failed to notice this development and stop it before it got significant momentum? And if they didn't fail to notice, was their curiosity around seeing what would happen a result of some healing they received as a result of human prayer and entreaty? All right. Creator says your question is an insightful one. 
Many times, in order for there to be human progress, we have had to stay the hand of the interlopers from a savage backlash, to clamp down on human freedom with punishments and adverse consequences in response to their seeming arrogance and overstepping their slave-like circumstances and invisible boundaries they are kept within and being minded by the extraterrestrial overseers in collusion with the dark spirit meddler corruption to keep everything in turmoil and off balance and many kinds of conflicts going on at all levels of society. Any power gained by humans only happens through a divine orchestration and an ability to help manipulate the powers that be to allow it. In this case, there was an appeal to the ego of the extraterrestrials to remind them of their belief they will always be in charge no matter what happens, so to allow a little greater freedom and power of the humans, in a sense, creates an opportunity for greater reward by the extraterrestrial alliance. After all, it is more satisfying to squash a big bug than a small one in order to relish one's power and control over others. So this was arranged, not simply through a manipulation, but in fact a quite concerted effort at applying some healing for the interlopers to allow a gentler notion to influence their thinking and the decision about allowing changes to human law that would empower the individual. This is no small thing, as that very idea goes against their nature and their long-standing hierarchical government organization of having absolute power on the part of a ruling tyrant and his family. So this shows the power of the divine. Even under the darkest of circumstances, when called upon through prayer, even by human beings living in a state of ignorance about their true dilemma of subjugation to a greater degree than they realize. Well, if we had one more question to answer for this, I don't think there's time to squeeze it in. Um, we, I, I don't think we can. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not try. Let's not try. Uh, this was, again, a fascinating answer, and it, it really highlights everything we're trying to do with this project, that divine healing was brought to the interlopers that softened their outlook, that, that changed their thinking a bit to somehow think that there was a great reward down the road, but uh, in a sense, you know, leading them to take a step back and allow something truly divine to manifest and grow. And that's what we need to happen again. <laughs> so here is a, a historical example of where healing applied to the interlopers can make tangible change for humanity on Earth. Well, and we've been told this is the only path to victory here for the light. The only path to saving humanity from these interlopers, they are in our midst, they are controlling things, they are running the world from behind the scenes. I know this sounds like a crazy, crackpot, delusional, paranoid fantasy, but we have mountains of evidence this is so. And it is the reason the world is such a mess. It fits all the data, why people can be made to run around saying crazy things. And people can be blocked to even accept truth that's evident handed to them. They won't look at it. They can't. They're corrupted to inner, to have inner beliefs that it's impossible. Like ETs can't exist. They can't be here. This is all nonsense. Run away. And that's what people do. Well, we'll be back with more nonsense right after this.
scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of Get Wisdom. I closed out the first segment saying, back on more nonsense. I didn't really mean that, of course, because there's, this is not nonsense, Carl. <laughs> Well, I wish it it were actually. It's just it's just pretty strange, and I never thought I'd be end up sitting talking to good folks about strange, bizarre things like we're discussing. But this is the intersection of reality with preconceived notions. Our culture has been molded and shaped by outside influence, and that's where we are today. We're, yes. we're still wandering around largely in the dark. Only a few are awakened. So let's do some more awakening here. Absolutely. The Roman scholar Tacitus wrote, The more corrupt the state, the more numerous the laws. What is the divine perspective of this statement? And Creator's answer is, this is an example of great insight and divine wisdom as well. The need for law is a function of separation from divine alignment. Beings in the light need no legal system to enforce balancing their existence. That is done automatically through the law of karma that will bring an automatic consequence for any misstep and quickly. So people know well the limits allowable for their conduct and any oversight or neglect will trigger a quick reminder. So there is no need for police, judges, or juries as an attempt to re-educate people about the error of their ways and try to punish them into conforming to the rules of society. In an ideal environment, everyone learns the rules quickly and will follow them on their own. And any deviations will be quite minor and self-correcting. The problems that have developed for humanity have resulted from the challenges of living in the galaxy where free will and free agency are the arrangement. This greater latitude has allowed the growing corruption initiated by the fallen angelics, and this has led to the state of disarray in human society you suffer at present. So the plethora of laws and the profusion of legal constraints through government edicts of all kinds emanating from the leadership 
are all a function of the unpredictable and irregular behavior of this citizenry when left on their own without a moral compass being shown to them as a major aspect of their education and a way to encourage adhering to divine principles. If these are not taught, how are people to know what is the best best path? This is the fault of the current environment with separation of church and state. So in the absence of a universally understood and accepted and practiced morality, one needs an ever-growing set of laws to provide a comparable framework of constraints on behavior that recognizes every potential contingency. That is why this is such a true statement. Without a desire to be in divine alignment, the tremendous creativity and ingenuity of the divine human can become corrupted. And in service to the ego, we'll find no end of ways to skirt around rules and regulations and ways to manipulate the system, looking for loopholes and creating exceptions that will lead to another layer of regulations and legal constraints to rein in the more sophisticated misconduct that is causing problems. The end result is the creation of a state of imprisonment for all. People may be living in a city that is not being that is not behind imprisoning walls with guard towers, but they will nonetheless be constrained by the suffocating weight of laws and jurisprudence that will be heavily constraining them and narrowing their options for true freedom. This is not to mention the many ways that laws can be used to exert power and control over others by unsavory practices and governance, where political figures will use the legal system to target their enemies. And various factions will use the law to target those with opposing views and punish them selectively. So there are many, many opportunities for things to be overdone and to erode individual freedom as a consequence. You know, the last paragraph could be summed up in one word, which I had never heard until actually fairly recently. But when the second I heard, I said, oh, boy, that really describes it. Lawfare. You've heard that word, Carl, I'm sure. Um, well. <laughs> Not warfare, lawfare, you know, where we use the legal system to attack our enemies. Um, and that is a that is a potent um, weapon nowadays, for sure. Well, the other uh, metric, if you will, is how many lawyers a nation has. So yeah. <laughs> that's another discussion for another day, perhaps. But there is right. a plethora of uh, legal, uh, legal beagles out there. And... There's a perception we really need them, and this is what happens when they get going and start to attack other people using the law as a cudgel. Yeah. U.S. Creator, having reviewed the likely heavy divine influence behind the creation of our modern legal system, how concerned should we be collectively by the growing secularization of our legal system? Is the entire concept of the inalienable rights of the individual in jeopardy as a result? I think a rather pregnant question. And Creator tells us this is very, very true. And it would be prudent for everyone in today's world to stop and think about how they got here, whether they truly enjoy freedom, and in what ways might it be constrained in their particular society, and what might be the risk for them personally if their desires for what they wish to do personally with their lives puts them in jeopardy of violating existing laws in some way. And therefore, in a sense, they are a prisoner of the state 
to the extent their freedoms are being abridged already. True freedom comes from recognizing the sovereignty of the divine and the gifting of free will and free agency to all and unlimited access to life force energy and the flow of divine love that people can enjoy personally and gift to others unreservedly because it will never be exhausted. As long as they are in divine alignment themselves, they will automatically be replenished. When people lose touch with the divine, they lose touch with their inner divinity. Their lack of being in alignment will begin to diminish their reach, diminish their personal power, and even diminish their energy to remain in a healthy state of well-being. And they will be more subject to illnesses, emotional difficulties of all kinds, and a diminished state of being that will make them vulnerable in many ways to the depredations of others. And they will be more likely to be victimized and subjugated. That is the end consequence of denying the truth of the divine. It will lead to seeking power and control over others as the only other substitute for a divine order, freely chosen as a loving impulse from within. Without that inner alignment, life will become harder, more complex, more uneven, and more bad things will happen. Bad things of all kinds, and people will become increasingly desperate to look for ways to survive. This is what happens with civil unrest in the absence of law and order based on the principles of fairness, which is a divine perspective. Secularization can be perverted in many, many ways to favor vested interests, to take power away from the individual and keep it with the state. That is always corrupting and will lead to subjugation of those less powerful. So quality of life will decline and will eventually lead to a downward spiral, ending in destruction, and even potentially the end of humanity through dissipation and a kind of self-annihilation if divine support were to be withdrawn as has already been done to the spirit meddlers. Understand that law and order are in divine alignment if carried out with fairness and sensitivity to individual situations and needs and the greater good of all and a kind of balance with the sovereignty of the individual as an important principle. When all are in divine alignment and inclined to carry out all they do each day in living their lives through loving kindness, there will be little need for law to begin with. The more humanity moves away from its moorings, Inherent in the divine origin of the human race, the more the connection to divinity through the divine realm will be diminished. And eventually that disconnection will leave humans entirely on their own, left to their own devices, and a minimal awareness of divine truth. So individuals will be subject to the worst of their nature, becoming more like animals in a primitive state of existence needing to fight for survival with no regard for the rights of others or caring about their feelings. This will lead to what was discussed before about an ever-growing flood of laws and regulations in an attempt to keep everyone in line 
but eventually it will require authoritarian and eventually a totalitarian power to subjugate people through fear, as that will be the only way left to maintain order and even survival of the leadership against a potential mob of disaffected citizens all wanting something for themselves who don't care about harming others to get it. This is the illusion of the atheist in thinking God and religion do not matter because they see plenty of decent folk, themselves included, who are willing to live and let live and contribute to society without causing trouble and so on. What they do not realize is all of those good impulses are a legacy of the divinity flowing within them that has been kept alive through the centuries through spiritual practice. And that is why it still survives within the culture as a guiding light. If that is neglected and dies out, there will be a gradual erosion through increasingly harsh central control and power that will lead to fascism and a loss of sovereignty of the individual and will be the undoing of humanity in the process. Carl, we have a little bit of time at the end of this segment. Uh, Do you want to rewind and check that question out that we've missed? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Okay. But I think this is an important message about the atheist perspective that that is an illusion, that it's just fine and dandy to be an atheist because nothing bad will happen. As long as you're a good fellow, everything will be well. Well, the thing about atheism, real quick, is that to really believe in that, you also believe that essentially um, it's the law of the jungle, you know, the survival of the fittest, right? And that there's no universal mechanism in place of consequence. There's no karma, you know. So really, if you can, you know, figure out how to be the top predator, you're going to have more stuff and more power and more of everything than anybody else. And that becomes the logical pursuit. That's the downside of that outlook. Yeah. And it's a slippery slope. So let's go back to that previous question we skipped then. You asked, Creator, how much responsibility did this reconfiguration of the English legal system enable the birth and widespread economic and global success of the British Empire that followed on its heels? All right, and Creator tells us the following. One would not necessarily connect the two, but in fact, there is an interrelationship. There were many machinations of British society that resulted from the new legal perspectives governing things. And this created a number of opportunities for lateral as well as upward mobility of human individuals within society and the creation of a much larger military and navy than possible previously through coercion alone. And this was seen to be a win-win by the rulers of the era, that they could use their wealth to obtain cooperation of their minions, and this in turn extended their reach and consolidated power in a way that was more stable than ever before, because there was less infighting and episodes of insurrection by disaffected individuals who could get a conspiracy going and foment trouble. If you think about this, it is quite logical that a just legal system creates through establishing order, a greater economic stability, 
and potential for growth and prospering of society. Even if it is done through the ruling of a royal dynasty rather than a democracy, it is a stepping stone to the betterment of the individual and creates the potential leading directly to democratic governance and greater individual freedom overall. So this has been a steady progression of growing freedom in alignment with greater expression of human divinity as achieved through divine intervention and support. So I think what's really important about the answer here is the revelation that a just legal system leads to economic prosperity. The greater freedom can create greater opportunity and greater opportunity creates greater general welfare for everybody involved. Um, And we need to really look at that today and where we're headed. You know, the the compromise of our just legal system is going to have vast economic consequences as well. And the whole growth of our, of the United States was, is predicated on having a just legal system. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And people come back and say, well, look at China. They, they grew up. They don't have our legal system. But you know what they had, Carl? They had our market. And our market is based on a just legal system. So even the growth of China, I think, ultimately has to be credited to our just legal system. If that's compromised, we're in big, big trouble. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that, and perhaps we could do a program sometime about forms of governance and just take that as a topic and compare and contrast what's good, what's bad, what is complicated, and what needs very special care and feeding in allowing relative freedom of the populace and sovereignty, right to vote having a kind of a democracy or a constitutional republic, where that came from and why, and and get some divine clarity and perspective about the forms of government. Because in a sense, that's what the law is. It is the framework for governance. Absolutely. From a local scale to the national level. And it's all important. It's all integrated. And as we're learning, divine inspiration has made it what it is yes, to be absolutely. effective as far as it goes. And, and the hallmark of non-democratic uh, societies is a legal system that is devoid of the inalienable rights. You know, this recognition that the individual has rights that nobody can take away that are natural, that are ins- divinely installed, essentially, you know. China doesn't have them. Russia doesn't have them. Um, any kind of traditional authoritarian governance lacks these inalienable rights. So the concern, you know, should be for people the trajectory that we're on in the in the Western world, the United States, Canada, Australia, that all that, is our is the erosion of that identity of that notion that the preservation of the individual rights is is probably one of the most critical things we really have to contemplate. Yes, it's very, very clear. If you look at it from this perspective, if you look at what makes things go, where power is, where it's concentrated, who uses it, and how, the law shapes all of that. It's sort of the working rules in the exercise of power. So it's very telling where that is fine-tuned and has a balance or a lack of balance in favoring 
the hierarchy over the masses of people. And this, this is what revolutions have spawned. It's that imbalance causing yeah. a discord that people rightly want to overthrow. Yes, we, we yearn for freedom, and it's the, the pursuit of love, basically, in the heart that brings that about. And we yearn for another segment, which we'll get back to right after this. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are talking about law and order. And a lot of questions have been around the origin of our modern legal system. And uh, we've learned through these uh, revelations that it really is a divinely inspired um, manifestation, Carl. Well, and I think it's comforting, actually, to hear that. Because so many people have come to believe God is distant, God is inscrutable, God is unreachable, God is unknowable, God is silent, God is absent, God is not real, (laughs) God doesn't exist. It's a fairy tale and on and on. And to think God has been alive and well all this time and actively still participating in our daily affairs to the extent we request it. That is refreshing and encouraging. Absolutely. You ask creator, with the creation of a truly global empire, the option to exile lawbreakers rather than pay for their upkeep in prison or take the objectionable step to execute them for non-capital crimes became a viable alternative in in the British Empire. The country of Australia started as a penal colony. What is the divine perspective of exile as an alternative to imprisonment and capital punishment? All right. And Creator tells us this indeed is morally superior as an alternative to the slaughter of people for law-breaking of a minor or moderate sort. The divine perspective about capital punishment is that it is never justified. It is always an immoral act that has several that has severe karmic consequences for all involved, leading to the death of another. 
Exile can be simply an alternative form of dire punishment if the banishment is to an inhospitable environment, such as one having extremes of inclement weather that constitute a form of torture if the prisoners are not given adequate protection. With adequate nutrition always being another point of vulnerability that can be abused by a harsh, punitive government seeking retribution against the wrongdoers as the highest priority. Such was the motivation in the formation of the prison colony in Australia. But it did allow, in the end, an opportunity to have improved conditions overall and again was a kind of experiment in exercising a higher perspective for the penal system as a whole. This again was divinely inspired to create possibilities for modifying the most draconian of punishments attended to the legal system. If a colony can be set up to contain such individuals where they may have a semblance of a life living among themselves, but yet separate from society as a whole, as a form of punishment, and ensuring safety through their containment, if it is done in a humane way, it can be a step up from using prisons with the stark minimalist rows of cells that are the tradition. There is still much room for improvement in the world of today. Yeah, this this is a very very interesting answer to what I think was an interesting question, because um, exile is not something that's really in use today, you know. But um, you know, I, I would think that it, it might be something to consider again, because you know the prisons aren't working for the most part as, in terms of uh, rehabilitation. And it's even worse when the legal system starts failing us and actually starts turning out, you know, turning out these individuals after they get arrested without any punishment whatsoever. That's not helping things either. So that kind of, you know, created a, a desire to revisit this topic of, you know, what if you just remove them <laughs> to a faraway place? You know, what's, what's the divine perspective on that? It's a really interesting answer. Well, nothing is simple, and if you exile people, you still have the problem of governing that society. So it's much better, on paper at least, than locking people into cages right? and denying them mobility, denying them variety of experience and any kind of emotional support or intellectual stimulation. So that, that is really really cruel and harsh and soul destroying so we, you know anything that's an improvement is is a gain and, and here again we have the hand of the divine in it interesting interesting and really quick you know the, the idea behind exile is that society does have a need to have its perpetrators removed perhaps you know that because um, there's a there's a collection of victims and perpetrators. Whereas if you put them into a civilization that's all perpetrators, those perpetrators are probably less likely to be willing victims. <laughs> you know, so it, it it might be a little bit of a of a more just arrangement that kind of solves a problem. It, it maybe better than other solutions we come up with. There's no such thing as a perfect solution to evil. It's just not. There's nothing pretty about solving the problem of evil. I think, except for the protocol. That's the only real solution to the problem but on a prosaic basis on a, on a practical basis so to speak 
you know, coming up with a way of handling the problems of, of violence and crime in society in a way that is, you know, really solves a problem for the victims, but at the same time gives the perpetrators an opportunity for rehabilitation. That is quite an ongoing challenge. Yeah, we're not close to solving it, I'm afraid. No, I, I agree. U.S. Creator, if the Divine Human Project succeeds and more free will is granted to the entire universe, will relaxation of the immediacy of karmic feedback necessitate the establishment of legal systems similar to what we have in the Western democracies? If so, how much role will a future enlightened human ambassadors to the universe have in helping other worlds create and manage enlightened legal systems to govern themselves fairly? And this is Creator's words. This is an interesting question and a useful exercise in exploring possibilities for your future. If you are successful in solving the problem of evil through healing the interlopers and then bringing sufficient divine healing for all the wounding of humanity through the millennia they caused, then the grand ascension of humanity can take place at long last and catapult you into positions of true greatness and influence as ambassadors for the light throughout the universe. And it is indeed the case that rather than everyone living in sweetness and light, as promoted relentlessly by corrupted channelers, thinking that being divine is its own solution and cure for what ails humanity, the opposite is the case, that a state of divinity is a hard-won state through growth of character and live experience, including causing harm to others and to the self, and learning hard-won lessons about the consequences and the force of karma behind everything that takes place throughout the universe. That will not change because the law of karma is needed as an enforcer of divine principle. If the rest of the universe is let off its current short leash, enforced by the law of karma to bring a quick reprimand for missteps, even for beings of light, there will need to be a further enlightenment of all civilizations everywhere about the fine points of divine existence. When sentient beings are given greater latitude through free agency and free will to explore, unfettered and unhindered as never before, to really test the boundaries and the limits for conduct and consequences, when there is greater freedom in a time sense before karma might catch up with you and an object lesson or reminder of your errors, what that will do is allow bolder innovation and risk-taking by many civilizations throughout the universe, all of whom will need to experience and learn as they go. The object lessons gained through hard-won experience by the divine human will put you at the forefront in bringing wisdom to all, setting out on a new course with new journeys of their own, with the paradigm you have been a part of for many thousands of years, with the wisdom you have gained and the power inherent in your reach from having solved the problem of evil, there will be nothing to fear with many other civilizations setting out on their own journey with the same goals in mind unlimited freedom except for an eventual reckoning with the consequences with humans to guide them in how to avoid karmic missteps all that is required is to keep one eye on the hard-won divine wisdom you have gained in coping with the risks inherent in unbridled freedom and experience with maintaining a needed balance so one is never far out of alignment 
to an extent they cannot recover and regain their footing and do a course correction in time to only gain from hanging out over the edge and perhaps creating an initiative they might not risk otherwise that does in fact bring an advancement of some kind. Exceeding prior authority for a time in a technical sense, but gaining something in the bargain with a handing back of authority in recognizing what might have been circumvented for a tactical purpose to gain new ground, but in effect, expanding not only themselves, but the rest of the family of civilizations who may gain from the exercise in seeing new possibilities never dreamt of before. This is the role you will all play in assisting this grand undertaking. It will not happen without divine alignment. Secularization is the death knell of the divine expansion. It is that simple. We got one more question. We'll squeeze it in. Can creators share how prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol can help save the protection of our individual inalienable rights and preserve the positive foundation of our legal system and help to transform it into a more enlightened and divinely inspired one? Creator says this question addresses beautifully the needs here and now, as well as the near-term improvements of human culture that will prepare you nicely for the coming ascension. Assuming you heal the interlopers sufficiently for them to withdraw and not annihilate you first. That is not a minor detail. But assuming you are successful, it will be because you have kept the rule of law intact and the sovereignty of the individual as a high priority. For without it, the power you have individually as well as collectively will dissipate quickly. If you surrender your sovereignty to the state, you are rewarding the fox in the hen house. And there will be no more eggs when the chickens are gone. Concerted efforts through prayer by as many humans as possible can start to turn things around. And it will be application of the Lightworker Healing Protocol as the most powerful extension of prayer to request specific forms of healing for specific targets, especially all the interlopers, and to address all their schemes with specificity that will save the day in the end and tip the balance. We've been given the tools. Yes. We need to put them to work. Time is of the essence. Absolutely. And I think one really big takeaway from this last answer was how important it is to preserve individual rights. And if we if we transfer all of our rights over to the state with the notion that we're going to take care of by the state, uh, the secular state, in fact, we're done. We're done. So it's never worked. It's never no. worked anywhere on the planet. No, it definitely is not. Unfortunately, we are out of time, Carl. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Get wisdom. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 